Hello, Kevin. It's Paul Omani here. Hi, hi, Paul. I was actually in the process of leaving you. I don't know if it actually recorded it or if it deleted it. I was leaving you a, a reply on uh, WhatsApp when I saw the this call coming in. Well, look, I'm very well, and the reason I've I've um, I've received was it two or three uh, pieces of audio from you, and one of them, the latest one, said that you're wide awake. And I said to myself, Kevin's going to stay awake till about five o'clock in the morning over there. But I might forgive me. Am I ringing at a bad time? Absolutely. No, not. I'm a, I am very much awake. Like I was I think I've made it clear on, on at least a few times on this platform that um, I've always from the time I was a child been a little bit of an insomniac. But particularly tonight with it being a, the eve of our midterm elections, I'm very stressed out. And um, so I'm very much awake at this time. And I was been watching 24 hour news, which is not a good thing to watch if you can't sleep and you're already nervous to start with. Well, look, I thought to myself, look, I, I, I just to check something with you. I have absolutely no wish to share this conversation unless you would like to. And I'm very happy to share it. All I wanted to say was that I, I don't want you to be. To be, you know, I, I just wanted I wanted to ring talk to you. If you're up for sharing it, that's fine. If you prefer not, that's fine too. Well, so far I haven't said anything too embarrassing. I don't think. <laughs> well, okay. Well, look, we'll see at the end because I believe you can also edit these uh, these uh, these audios. Yeah, you know what? I haven't done I haven't done any uh, playing with the editing feature that Anchor has now. What I'm still rooting for is I want the return of segmented recording where you can just push pause and then continue recording. And if part of the recording you don't like, you can just basically go back and it'll delete the last part of the recording and you can continue from there. That made doing long form recording so much easier than now because you have to basically do it all the way through without a mistake. And I guess now you can basically go in and edit out, Paul, the different mistakes. But it was just the segmented recording was so easy for me to knock out a lot of content very quickly. Well, look, on this, you see what Anchor will send me. I'm not, I think I even send it to you as well these days. I can't remember. They'll send me an, uh, an MP3 file, which I can then very easily pull into Audacity and uh, edit any part of it I want and upload it. Wow, I didn't know that um, Anchor would actually send you an MP3 version of a of a, a podcast that you did here. Yes, you see, when you think about us, supposing this was a conventional podcast and we were podcasting together, we might well want to, um, you know, edit out anything from ums and ahs and long silences and things we wanted to say, and it's perfect for that. Wow, well, you're going to need to let me know exactly how to get a MP3 file of uh, different things, because one of the, the things I had planned to do, and I was very disappointed when Anchor got rid of the uh, co-host feature, because I was planning to do a series of interviews with different people in, on Anchor, and the whole idea of the, what would be sweetening, sweetening the pot and getting people to say yes to me to do these interviews would be the fact that they'd be getting content for their own station as well. Well, because we both have access to it. But if I could easily make an MP3 file and send it to them, and then they could basically upload the interview to their station, then I might still be able to go forward with, forward with that plan if it wouldn't be a hassle for people to upload it. 
See, I don't think they did actually get rid of the co-hosting feature. I think they just started talking about the same function in a different way. I remember Scotlow and I recording something. He then took it away and did a big edit job on it. And he could easily have sent me the MP3 file that he ended up with. And I could have put it on my... I, anyway, look, we'll, we'll use this as partly as a kind of test to see. When we finish talking, Anchor are going to send me a message which will say we're... I don't know what they're going to... They, it, it says things like, we'll get back in touch with you when the recording is ready. You must get that, actually, for, for your um, conversation with friends uh, after the Gnomeflix uh, movie club. Yeah, I thought it was just a notification saying that it was ready, then you can now publish it. I didn't know it was telling me that I would actually have access to downloading it or something and uh, being able to play with it and then send it to other people. The What the co-host feature gave you, like when we're done with this recording, I won't automatically have access to it to post it. You'll have access to it and the rights to, to your station uh, or cast or podcast whatever the hell we're calling it i i hate the fact that every time anchor has a has another version all the lingo all the verbiage changes anyway Anyway. that made it very easy to to talk somebody into they don't have to have any kind of savvy or anything you just instantly it's instantly available as as a as something for you to uh to publish to your to your uh podcast i i liked that ability what i didn't like about the co-host feature was the idea that people could just automatically contact you because for some reason people would contact me they wouldn't contact me beforehand i would just get like what happened right now with you a call a phone call in the middle of like you know my work day saying like oh so and so wants to do something with you as opposed to contacting me beforehand saying let's make a plan to do something and let's do it at this particular time so just randomly getting calls from somebody in new zealand who wants to talk with me about some tv show is kind of not great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was actually, I, I, I was reluctant to call you. I have to say, I had this impulse to call you, particularly because I thought, oh, God, this election is happening and you're wide awake about it. But I, I, did, I did have the same experience recently where, do, do you remember a guy called Kingfish? Um, no, I don't think I ever met him. He was a lorry driver. He's a, a truck driver. Fantastic communicator, but he used to drive from from Chicago to uh, Albuquerque and record audio and communicate with people. He was a good uh, uh, chat person along the route. He um, he was active on Anchor version two, I think, you know, for ages. And um, we had loads of contact. Well, you were such you. That's one thing. I you and uh, Jennifer Elan back when she was on Anchor more regularly are, are the I considered the kings and queens of Anchor because you met so many people. You you knew so many people from all around the world, and you were so much better than me with Anchor. I have always been a lax with going to new stations and meeting new people and making a concerted effort to to discover people on Anchor. So I always appreciate appreciated that uh about both of you i always get my people at least i used to always get i got this a terrible phrase i used to get my people but i used to establish contact with people by listening to them talking with other people so for example or let's just pick mg on for for i might have come across mg on 
while he was talking to you. Oh yeah, no, that's what that's the well to me that's the major difference between this version of Anchor, at least for me, the um the way I use it versus the original version of Anchor. I uh, I loved that about Anchor where I would that's how I actually acclimated myself to the original version of anchor i would listen because it 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 fostered conversations i feel like more so than this version of anchor does but honestly to be fair i don't go around anchor so people are probably having incredible conversations that i'm never hearing about but on the original version of anchor it was easy to have multiple conversations with people were having conversations with several people involved you you would do a two minute for people for those of you who don't know uh the original version of anchor was more like twitter so you would do what was called a wave that was two minutes long maximum and then a conversation could flow where people could respond to you in one minute increments and it could go back and forth and the chain could be incredibly long and conversations would begin on one subject and like real conversations do flow into other topics and you could listen and you could join in at any time you could respond to the original uh, wave or you could respond to one of the people that was doing a response to the original message and that's how i used to uh join in conversations i would hear something that sounded interesting i think the very first conversation i joined on anchor was um oh my god what is her name no what is her name no it wasn't tachi it was i'm trying to remember her name oh my god oh my god oh my god my it was not marquitia um I can't remember her name, but anyway, but the point is she had, there was a, there was a crime that happened here in Southern California where a woman, uh, a college student had been raped. Kiana, Kiana, Kiana had posted a thing about this particular crime and the, the, the judge was really horrible in this particular case. And so was the father of the rapist made a really horrible statement and and Kiana was incensed about it and she posted and I too was incensed and we started talking and that was the very first conversation I got sucked into and um, I, I, I still, I miss Anchor Version 1 so much. So many of the friendships, the people I'm still in touch with, like you, are from Anchor Version 1. Unlike a lot of you who still continued with Anchor Version 2 and Anchor Version 3, as far as in meeting new people and having new relationships, I only met a couple of people on Anchor Version 2. I have not really established any relationships with anybody via Anchor Version 3, because on Anchor Version 3, I basically do the cast that I do, our, our podcast. Uh, I publish them and kind of go on my way and I respond to people who call into my station, but I'm not really going around interacting like I used to, which anchor version one and also the feed style, which I think is a key to this for someone like me. I love listening feed style to the people that I'm following where I could push play and be doing things and just have it playing and hearing all the different things that the people that I'm following are, are doing or talking about. And then if I felt compelled to, I could click on it and then go in deeper and hear the responses to that uh, particular person. Well, yes. And, and, you know, you, you talk about the ease with which, you know, you could, you could interact with people. I, I was one of the enthusiasts for the three-minute limit, or was it two minutes? Um, uh, the original version of Anchor, it was two minutes for the for the what, what was called a wave, and then it was one minute for the response or reply. 
Because you see, I knew, and I've always known, that for me to be more succinct would be to add another golf club to my golf bag, because I can go on at length, as you well know. And I was so pleased that I had a place where I could just spend, you know, two minutes. I had to say something in two minutes, and then I had only one minute to respond. That was actually training me. Uh, so even though, you know, I could often think, oh, I'd love to go on at greater length about this. Anyway, that look, can we can we shift conversation to the elections? Yes, we can. I am um, Which is it's it's the reason why I'm awake now at uh uh 2:41 a.m. Right, right. And uh, well, I I'd be awake too, I think if I was uh, <laughs> no question about that. Look, look, this um uh, this referendum on on Trump as you're, you're calling it. Um, I have a particular interest in Orange County. And the reason I have an interest in Orange County is that I have personal experience of the attitudes of people in Orange County. Because in 1969, I spent a summer in Orange County. I spent a summer in Fountain Valley. Wow. And I've been to Huntington Beach and, and all those kind of things down there. And I lived in a community which I imagine is full of rednecks, you know, sophisticated, well-off rednecks. But But rednecks nonetheless. Um, And uh, because my mother's second cousin, family, you know, in in case they ever hear this, their family called Nortons. Now, I'm not, when I talk about the, they were away in Ireland that summer. But myself and another guy, who I, a friend from school, we went to um, California, to, in this case, Los, um, Orange County, but Los Angeles. We, uh, we worked in a, did I ever tell you before, in a sweet factory, a, a candy factory in Long Beach. I believe you did tell me that, which is amazing. And there must be stories about that time that I could remember, but I haven't you know, I wouldn't have access to my own memory even <laughs> easily now. But I do remember, I mean, we were very, the two of us who were in, you know, Orange County at the time, were very antipathetic to um, the United States because of uh, Vietnam. We regarded the United States as the great imperialist power. Uh, we even boycotted the moon landing. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> refused to watch the the moon landing so much so that on the afternoon and i can still see it the man next door who had a u.s flag in the front garden and that was a red rag to a bull as far as we were concerned you know we kind of knew that he was in favor of napalming everywhere that could be napalmed in vietnam if he, if he had a flag in the front garden Terribly unfair, but that's what we thought. Anyway, he came running into the house with, uh, without any shirt on to say, you know, can, have you, can you see it? Can you see it? And uh, we didn't have the TV on. So, so that was, we did turn it on then, and I did see the moon landing. But it was, it, it, I wouldn't have watched it unless, you know, a guy with a flag in his front garden 
had come running into the house unable to control himself. <laughs> was he American? Oh, of course. Well, I was, that's what I was going to say. Like, wait, where is this, Where was this happening? Was this happening in Long Beach or was this happening no. when you were in Ireland? This was happening in Orange County. This was okay, happening... so you were, he, you were here when the moon... I wasn't sure if you were here when the moon here. went. I was here. I was here. I was there. I was in Orange County at the time on that... So, wasn't it a Sunday? I do not know what day the moon landing was. Anyway, it was, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, Orange County time. I, this is all subject to double checking, but it was definitely on the weekend. I think it was Sunday rather than Saturday. Anyway, this uh, guy ran in and, and all of that happened. So I was, I saw the actual landing and, and all of that stuff. But my impression of the people uh, around us in Orange County, you, I mean, we were very left wing. So definitely they were right wing. Yes, Orange County is still a a, a, a right wing or Republican bastion, but the demographics there are changing of late. One of the things I've seen some reports of uh, man on the street, or I should say woman on the street interviews, that uh, a lot of women uh, in particular in some of the suburbs of Orange County have not been particularly happy with some of the actions of the current president. And uh, some of them have actually either changed their party affiliation. That's another thing. There are less people now that refer to themselves as Republicans as a result of this president, which actually does my heart good. He is very popular with people who still call themselves Republicans, but there are less Republicans. And that's when, whenever you hear people talk about the fact that he has like an 80, 80 plus percent approval rating with Republicans, there are less people calling themselves Republicans than ever before which does the heart good uh, and makes me feel some semblance of hope for this country. But one of the things I was going to message you on WhatsApp about was the reason why things may look askew today was some of the findings uh, of the House races versus the Senate races is gerrymandering. And I don't know if you even have any phenomenon like that in Ireland, but gerrymandering... Oh, yes. Gerrymandering is a word that is uh, well known in Ireland. And uh, someday I can tell you something about gerrymandering. But carry on. Tell me more about gerrymandering. Well, basically, the, 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 what happens is with gerrymandering, for those of you who are listening to this, they may not have heard of this, uh, this term. What it basically means is the politicians get to, ch- uh, to choose their voters as opposed to the voters choosing the the politicians so when every uh, every i believe every decade what happens is the they, they divide up these different districts and there's these maps drawn uh, for each House uh, and Senate seat. The power, the, the, the party that's in control is in charge of uh, drawing these maps or has the most control over drawing these maps, if not all the control. Um, I'm willfully ignorant on this, but I do know that that's what they, the, the power that's, uh, the party that's in charge has the power. So it's they draw these... It's electoral boundaries, isn't it? Yes, electoral boundaries. So the people, the person that I'm going to be voting for that's representing my part of the state uh, in, say, the House or my senator, these people get to draw these maps when it comes to the House races in particular. And they're drawn in a certain way. And so it makes it really hard 
to there's 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 just these districts that are either Republican or Democrat. They're not even in the middle, which is why the views of these people get more and more entrenched, because if you have an electorate that is more balanced, then you can't have somebody who's incredibly right wing or left wing that's representing a particular district. But if you have if you're able to choose your voters and and draw a crazy map where uh, that looks like a crazy squiggle, then you can basically choose where the people that are are very left wing or very right wing live. And that's the problem with why there's so much gridlock is because people have these constituencies that are incredibly you know focused in a particular way that are either left wing or right wing and so they're they can't go and have any kind of uh reaching across the aisles to make things happen so people seem to be satisfied with having you go in there and you fight the other side and you let them win nothing and so nothing gets done so does that mean then that the main fight let us say for change takes place on the one hand within the Republican Party and within the Democrat Party rather than between them, since the result is more or less guaranteed that it will be either a Republican. So let's say it's guaranteed to be a Republican because of the gerrymandering. Yes. And there's even a thing. There's a term called primarying. What happens is, like, say that you are currently the person that that uh, that holds the the uh, house seat of a particular part of Orange County. People may think, well, wait a minute, you're not Republican enough or you're not right wing enough. And there'll be somebody else who competes uh, for your seat saying that I am more right wing than uh, Paul Omani. I love Donald Trump even more than Paul Omani does. Vote for me. And then you might actually in the primary lose your chance to be the representative that that is vying for that particular seat. Yes. So if I was a if I was a member of the the Tea Party uh, and you were a, a John McCain Republican, I'd be up against you to see. Yes, and you would be trying to unseat me saying that I wasn't. In fact, Republicans had a term for that called rhino. It means a Republican in name only. Because what a Republican is today is very different from what a Republican was a few generations ago. Which I find particularly funny because they basically worship the ghost of Ronald Reagan as like some kind of Jesus-like figure. But what Ronald Reagan, a lot of the things he believed in and stood for and did, if right now, if Ronald Reagan were alive today, he would be thrown out of the Republican Party and they would be refer to him as a rhino because the big thing now is Republicans are not all of them, but a huge chunk of them uh, are against immigration, both illegal and honestly legal immigration they have issues with as well. And a lot of people would say that that uh, is uh, racially based, that they don't seem to have a huge problem with people, say, from Ireland coming to America, but they would have problems with people from Mexico or people from, from you know, the Middle East or people from Africa, which is also part of the Middle East, um, the African continent. Africa people people that aren't white hey look tell me if i'm a farmer in in california or arizona or texas 
I need migrant labor. Isn't this correct? In yes, order you absolutely do. That that oh. is another part of the complication and the divide. They're they're business people. That that's another thing. Republicans were always kind of known as being the party of big business because they're normally the party of, of uh, slashing taxes and regulation. And like, you don't need clean air to breathe. Anyway, is their motto. But um, the problem is the with the advent of things like Fox News, you have such a polarized thing and people can live in an echo chamber where they don't actually hear anything but the party line every single day so the powers that be there are people there that are very anti-immigration but there are also people that are members of the party that have businesses that need that kind of labor a perfect example would be the current president who has a lot of people that are illegals that work in his different hotels uh that are doing housekeeping and 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 that are working that are, that are wait staff and that are also you know working in the kitchens and so that's one of the part of the divide and the tension in the party is that a lot of the business people want illegal immigration it helps them it gives it a source for cheap labor but they're but they've also gotten elected by basically making people that are brown or people that are coming to this country scapegoats the reason why you can't get jobs the reason why your wages are low is because of these people coming in when the truth is it's really automation it isn't that there are mexicans stealing all your jobs as far as in car manufacturing car manufacturing is being sent to other countries and a lot of the bulk of it is now done by robots so many of the jobs that used to be done by actual people that's part of the tension is uh, having these two different kind of sides of the same coin people that are been told that the enemy is people that are coming to steal your job you're, you're most of these people aren't aren't working in fields picking lettuce but they've been told that these people are their enemy that's how that's part of this whole thing this caravan thing that the president is ginning up this idea that we should be afraid because there's these people that are coming from el salvador and these other places that are filled with strife right now looking for to uh, apply for asylum here that 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 they're a threat to you and your life if they come here well that 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 you know we hear a bit about the caravan here but i've heard um i've heard a variety some of the things that stand out for me about that is that first of all um mexico is uh is stopping people coming north, asking them to register themselves as seeking asylum or, or whatever, migrant status or whatever. And the second thing is so that uh, the, this um, caravan, seems a terrible thing to call a group of people who are having to walk a huge distance. But anyway, a, a caravan is... Uh, uh, is, is unlikely to result in huge numbers of people anyway reaching the border, but it has fallen into the Trumpists' uh, camp. They must be utterly thrilled that this uh, group of people are advancing, and the more slowly they advance, the better, because the that'll seem like the threat is hanging over. I mean, it looks to me like as if you know, people in North Dakota are going to be pushed over the border into Canada because there won't be room for them in the United States. Well, yeah, that's the, that's what this couldn't have come at a better time for the midterms for him to have this new boogeyman, uh, this, this boogeyman threat that's, that's burgeoning right. on the horizon that's coming for you.
Yes. And now, look, can we do a, a short bit of detail, uh, Kevin, on the on these uh, midterm elections? You know, um, first of all, California. Um, am I right in thinking that the the House representatives in California are majority Democrat already? And that's yes, California, uh, for the most part, is is now controlled by Democrats for the most part, because of several, uh, at least not several, several years ago, but a, like a couple of, not less than a couple of decades ago, there, we had a governor named Pete Wilson, and he did the same thing that Trump's doing right now, and basically made Mexicans or people who were coming here legally and illegally the enemy. That actually did a seismic shift, because he had, a, there was a thing called Proposition 8 that he was pushing which if it if it had passed, it would have meant that people who were here illegally or their children would not be eligible for certain services, like they wouldn't be allowed to go to public schools. They wouldn't be allowed to get like health, certain kinds of health care for indigent people, all these kinds of things. And that caused a seismic shift in we've always we were we were what's considered a purple state. Red is Republican. Blue is Democrat. So purple means it's kind of like you go either way. We would have uh, Republican governors. We would our, uh, we'd have Democrat and Republican mayors of like Los Angeles. But that was a seismic shift where the Democrats have been in control ever since that whole fear mongering. Uh, and what many people believe, and I'm one of them, was an absolute racist, a race baiting, racist policy, making brown people the enemy of everybody who was an American. And um, it was very disgusting. And I was so proud of my state for rejecting that rejecting pete wilson and and changing you know california for you know the generations based on that that whole thing that happened in the uh, 90s kevin i have a special interest in arizona because one of my sisters lives there she lives in scottsdale in arizona now have you any um can you tell me anything about the balance in arizona all I know about what's happening in Arizona is because we the the what's what's up open now is the Senate seat that was held by John McCain, and that actually is shockingly a race that that we're not going to know the results of instantly. It's that re- normally. Uh, Arizona is a very Republican place because a lot of retirees move to Arizona, so it has an older population in general. And so older people and older and whiter people tend to vote Republican. But the question is right now, if the last polls I saw – the two women. That's that's one thing that will happen. We will have a female senator from Arizona, which I believe is for the first time. It will be a woman because there's a female Republican and a female Democrat that are running. So the last polls I heard, it was too close to call who was going to ultimately win that seat tomorrow or t- I should say today. And, uh, so it's too close to call. And that's so sorry. Did you say senator? Senator, yes. I don't know anything about the House races in Arizona, unfortunately, because I live in Southern California. There are certain news that trickles that becomes stories that become national. And John McCain was such a huge presence in the Senate that his Senate seat was vying for that is national news. 
And tell me, in these elections, last real, last question, really, I want. Over here, you hear hardly anything about the detail of politics, like what is the education policy of a candidate? And I include Trump. I couldn't tell you what his education policy was. I couldn't tell you what his health, well, I could tell a little bit about his health, but the usual you know, what you hear over here is the politics of his reputation more than it and the politics of his tweets. Well, the hard thing about him in particular, because of the fact that he was a celebrity uh, known for being the host of The Apprentice, as well as known for just being a fixture in New York, a real estate mogul who put his name on everything and was known for all the the different women that he would be sleeping with or whatever. His divorces were huge, epic news. His policies were, the reason why you don't know what his policies are is because so many of his policies are were, ever, uh, were very amorphous ever-changing. I mean, one of the things that he was very successful at, which was amazing to me during the primary when he vanquished all of his Republican foes, was he was smart enough to realize that the whole idea of what a Republican was was the idea that it was always pushing the idea of less government. What he realized was these people that were the constituency wanted they didn't really want less government they wanted less government for other people but they wanted more for themselves and so what he did was he said things like i'm going to get rid of obamacare and i'm going to replace it with something even better he never answered what that better thing was it's just going to be better and when he'd be asked during a debate what are you going to do about healthcare? i'm going to create something even better it's going to be great and people voted for that I'm like, it's going to be great. You're not going to ask for any kind of specifics. That's like if I'm in, that's like if I'm, if I'm in the ocean and I'm in a lifeboat that has a small leak in it. And you're all like, Kevin, I want you to get out of that lifeboat. I want you to get into this boat I'm going to make. Wait, is the boat made yet? No. Do you have like plans on what the boats? Yeah, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. Yeah, so but wait, you want me to get out of my boat that I'm currently in that's keeping me afloat and get in a boat that you haven't made yet? Well, look, yes. you, know, you know me, Kevin. I, I am a successful businessman. You know, I build success. So my boat will be a floating success and there will be champagne in my boat. For people who get into it, yeah. Well, I need to see some. Des- I need to see designs of your boat. I'm sure it's going to be great, but I need. I need to know ex- exactly if it's going to be great for me. You just can't generically say something's going to be great, and I'm going to know it's going to be great for me. But people did that. They vote that. That's why you don't know what his policies are. His education policy is it's going to be great. His policy on everything is going to. It's going to be great. And so that was. And he said that he was going to be able to lower taxes, and he was not going to be able to. He wasn't going to cut. Medicare or Medicaid, uh, which has to be a lie. There's no way you can do both those things. He wasn't going to, he was, he said he was going to raise Social Security. I'm going to raise Social Security and I'm going to cut taxes at the same time. And I'm going to increase the military. Yes, all these things. So I'm going to spend more money, but I'm also going to take in less money. And people were like, sure, sign me up. I'm like, what universe can that work in? It, there's no way that can happen. That can't be true. Well, one of the one of the things that I would call it the I got to pick these words carefully, but I would call it the genius of Trump, his his uh, his campaign team, I think, 
was to realize that, generally speaking, the vast mass of voters are not interested in detail. They are interested in something that sounds better than they know. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. But what was shocking to me was there's a difference between not a lot of detail and zero details. Oh, yeah. Nothing. Just it's going to be great. Trust me. That's another thing. When somebody keeps constantly telling you, believe me, trust me, believe me. Do not believe that person. No, but when anybody who has to keep saying, trust me, believe me, trust me, believe me, literally every other sentence is believe me, they are bamboozling you. I I honestly was flabbergasted. One of the most shocking things to me about Trump was during the very first one, maybe not the first one of the one of the first couple of debates, he said he thought the the minimum wage in our country was too high right that the and the wage and the wages in general here were too high and that's why businesses were leaving and so wait a minute so you're saying that you're the champion of the working class and you're saying they're making too much money and if that isn't enough my other favorite thing about him which i i will never understand how he got to be the champion of uh, joe Sixpack, is the fact that Everything with his name on it, nothing is made in this country. All of the, he had a line of clothes in like Macy's department stores, the Trump collection, Trump, all these different things. He has a, had a line of like glasses, crystal glasses or something that are like made out of the country. Nothing with his name on it was made in this country. And so when questioned about that, he goes, well, it's cheaper to make it those other places. And so that's why I make it there. If you love America so much, then it would it would at least that's one thing he's never made a decision he's never done anything that wasn't just for himself if i was looking to support him uh, as a voter and he could say to me well you know what when macy's came to me and said they want to do a line of clothes with my name on them and they were going to make those clothes in bangladesh i said to them you know what no you need to make them here in the united states because people need jobs and if that means i make 25 cents less per tie so be it i love the usa no he was like make them wherever as long as i can make the most money i can possibly make and there and people are like yes this should be our leader this should be the person who i can believe in who's going to protect me and my family well kevin i don't know a single person not a single person in my circle who i could describe as a trump supporter i have one very good friend whose analysis of the situation um was that Hillary Clinton didn't have one big idea and that that was the with which people could identify. But and that's one person and that he has an analytic approach to it rather than Yoho Trump. Right. So uh, the thing about for us over here in Ireland, and this was subject maybe for another conversation another day, is that all of the points you're making are the kind of, they're the kind of things we would say over here about Trump. We would manage to say, look, he said this, he, he did that, he did. And so you then get to a point over here where you say, how on earth did anybody get a, call Trump, get elected? You know, he, before he stood for office, 
he was in favor of gun control. As soon as he started standing for 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 office, he was against it. You know, he was this, he was that, all of those things. So what we don't understand over here, and I can speak for more than myself on this, is how on earth is there something about America or what is it that this person who is so transparently dishonest, so transparently out to enrich himself and ingratiate his own ego and and has allowed himself to be surrounded by so many crooks. How come that guy got elected? Well, there are so there's there's a convergence of so many different things that uh, that that absolutely made this whole thing happen. We had the whole fake Hillary Clinton email scandal, and on the eve of the election, the head of the FBI said he was reopening the investigation because they had found potentially new emails on the laptop of Hillary Clinton's uh, assistant's uh, husband's computer. Laptop, and so there he was reopening the investigation, and then two seconds before the uh, the the election, okay, false alarm. There were no new emails on that computer, but people were voting all in between the time that he had reopened the investigation and the findings that there was nothing new on the computer. So people, yeah, and and just one point on that though, and people had had months during which they could make up their mind whether Trump was the kind of person. They would like to lead and represent the United States. I, I fully understand the the attention that there was and the shock that there was when Coney came out and he said, we're reopening the investigation at this stage. I, I remember that well. I remember. But by then, surely people had had long enough to decide who am I going to vote for? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. No, there, there's no denying that. But also, there was uh, what many people believe Russian meddling uh, in the election. There was, even to this day, there are like... There are people that are paid in Russia to masquerade as different groups of people here in America and uh, cause derision. There was a whole effort to, to, to convince different groups of people not to vote. There were also people that were, I believe, just I'm, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to put it, who were uh, the nicest way I could say is misguided. The least nice way I could say were just stupid who had problems with Hillary Clinton that were also, they were actual, they were more liberal because at the core of Hillary Clinton, she was a centrist. Uh, she was a centrist. And so there are people that were, were that supported Bernie Sanders that were very upset that Bernie Sanders did not get the nomination. And so a lot of people decided to not e- either not vote at all as a protest because they believed that Hillary Clinton was going to win all the polls saying she was going to win. So they felt like they could basically, uh, as a protest, not vote for her or as a protest, vote for people like Jill Stein. And so you had a lot of people that did not vote. Her ter- Hillary Clinton's turnout within like the African American community was much lower than Barack Obama's. All these different groups, the young people did not come out for her, and and part of it I believe is her fault because if nothing else, what Hillary should have done to try to heal the different sides of the party was she should have chosen a running mate 
who was a darling of the left wing of the party, and she didn't do that. She could have chosen Elizabeth Warren. To me, I would have chosen Bernie Sanders as my running mate, but she did not do that. She thought that she could choose somebody who was just a centrist like her, who had zero charisma, because uh, she didn't want to, I believe that she didn't want to be outshone by having someone like Elizabeth Warren or someone like Bernie Sanders. But you do what you need to do to be the first woman elected president in the United States. And if you're charisma free yourself, you get somebody with charisma standing next to you to, uh, uh, to, to make it happen. And she did not do that. I couldn't even tell you who her running mate was. I can see him, but I honestly can't remember his name. I think it was I think it was his name was Tim something. But anyway, I can't remember him. He was he was a blank slate and she needed somebody who would excite the base of the party because she was not exciting the base of the party. And it was a huge mistake to think she made the mis- the miscalculation that the fear of Trump and everything that he would bring would be enough to make these people who weren't crazy about her push them over the edge and make them go ahead and hold their nose and vote for her. But the mistake was because of all of the polling that kept saying that, that, that Hillary Clinton, that she was going to win, people thought they had the luxury of not voting for her and feeling that, that she was still going to win. That was a huge miscalculation. It's a, it's a, a huge shock. I mean, I, yeah, maybe that's not an exaggeration that you can't remember on the tip of your tongue, who was her running mate? Albert, it's Tim Kaine, I believe, was his okay, name. Okay, but but what I mean to say is, yeah, you're right. No, he was not instantly. You no, know, he should have. It should have been like Elizabeth Warren, or it should have. It should yeah. have been Bernie Sanders. But if you if you can't remember who her running mate was easily, immediately, think how many other people in America cannot remember who her running mate was. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And but that, I think that was. Part of the calculus, I really believe, I have no way of knowing this for sure, so anybody that happens to hear this that says complains to me, I don't know what was in her head exactly, but honestly, I believe that she chose someone that she thought would not outshine her. That he he did, he seemed like he was a competent man, and so if she was hit by a bus, he could be president, but that wasn't enough at this point. We She needed someone who was going to generate excitement in, in, in the group... Uh, Bernie Sanders had energized so many young people. He he had these huge rallies where so many young people were 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 uh, getting uh, were uh, registering to vote and getting involved in politics for the very first time. Genuine excitement, the kind of excitement that happened when Barack Obama was fresh and new and on the scene, and the idea. That she could basically, just by having him stand on a stage with her and wave and say that he supported her would be enough. No, they needed to feel that they were voting for him as well as her. And she did not, she didn't do that. And I think that was a huge mistake. If she had made him her running mate, I believe she'd be president right now. And tell me, has Bernie Sanders has completely gone out of the news over here? In fact, he's disappeared. Uh, Obama gets much more publicity than Bernie Sanders at all. Has Bernie Sanders retired? 
No, Bernie Sanders is still has his uh, uh, his uh, uh, Senate seat. He still has an organization that is supporting certain candidates that are more progressive. He's also still championing Medicare for all um, as far as overhauling our health care system. So he's still out there and he's been on different news shows stumping for candidates that he believes in. So he hasn't completely fallen off the face of the earth, but he doesn't have the profile anywhere near as big as it was obviously when he was running for president and there's a question of if he's going to try to run again in 2020 so i presume then that he hasn't written his memoir of that campaign no he has not because the word is that he might try to run again in 2020 but i'm hoping that there's some new star on the horizon the idea that we can't find anybody who is that uh, that's under 70 to run for president against Donald Trump is absolutely ridiculous to me. Well, over here on this side of the Atlantic, we, uh, I, well, certainly I scratch my head and say, who is the leader of the Democrats? Now, I know- we don't that that's that's always the problem when you when you don't have when you're out of power. We don't have uh, the closest thing we would have is still Barack Obama as the as the uh, figurehead of our party until we have somebody who is running for president who actually gets the nomination and they become the de facto leader the moment that they are win the nomination. That's that's one of the biggest differences between let's say, the politics of Ireland and Britain and even, yeah, certainly Ireland and Britain, which is, and the US, which is that over here, our opposition has a named leader. They're the leader in parliament. They're the leader in the country of the opposition. The same is true in the UK. There's never any doubt who the person who's going to lead the other side in the next general election now, that, that, of course, that leader can change, but by and large, they remain constant. If you're defeated in a general election over here, you probably will remain head of your party and, and lead into the next general election, unless, you know, unless something big happens. There never is a vacuum in leadership, but it does seem that one of the you know, unfair advantages that the Republicans have is that they have a continuing leader in the president and the Democrats are vying with each other to see who's going to get the nomination next time. And the impression you get over here is that is that rather than them putting their emphasis on opposing the president's and his cabal's policies, that they're vying with each other to get into the best position and trying to raise the maximum amount of money for their primary campaign. That's exactly what's happening. That's absolutely what's happening. I think that what happens is the the people who want to be want to be the nominee are they stick their head up enough to be noticed from time to time, but they don't want to draw all the fire because what happens is once there's somebody who is seemingly going to be the nominee or most people think is are going to get the nomination, what happens is already the Republican groups will start aiming their fire at this person. They will already start doing commercials against them. They'll already start doing posts 
post on the internet about how horrible they are. And so you want to kind of have your name out there, but not so much so that you're the one taking all the fire and your approval ratings start to get, go down. When, uh, so that's that's the kind of weird position we're in where you kind of want to lay low somewhat uh, to gather all your resources and uh, the, get money behind you before to, to be able to have the organization to, to combat what's going to come at you once you get the nomination. It's just a fascinating diversity of democracy and kind of variants of parliamentary democracy. My goodness, it's, and we haven't even touched on France, Italy, Spain either. So, and I don't know how the Mexican parliament works, and Canada's a mystery to me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All I know is that I do. I, I am a huge fan of their prime minister, Justin Trudeau, in Canada. In fact, I keep I, I in my wildest fantasies. I wish that we could do some kind of uh, leader swap, <laughs> but I don't. I don't believe they would take our leader. But I would gladly take Justin Trudeau over our president. Well, I, it has been said that you would emigrate to Canada if they would only change their weather. Oh my God! Not all, e even at this point. Depending on how things go today, even if they don't change the weather, I was just telling somebody I may have to go over for a so-called day trip to Canada, and just never come back. I would be an illegal alien in Canada. I'm sure they've welcomed many an illegal alien uh, before. Kevin, we're going to have to stop it. But I, I, I'm so thrilled to have been talking with you. Oh, well, thank you so much for uh, uh, having this conversation with me. And I apologize as far as uh, my ignorance on some of the uh, some of the, some of the finer points of our political system. <laughs> so I, I, I hope I haven't uh, uh, given you let, made you feel that that uh, all of our electorate is as ill informed as I am. But I but I, I do feel like I know a little bit about what's going on here and um, I'm keeping my fingers crossed with the results today so hopefully the next time we talk i will be in much better mood and our country will be less of a dumpster fire well look the main thing as far as i i'm concerned i have to say and i'm sure as far as our listeners are concerned is that you have a view you have a perspective you don't hold back in expressing it you, it does matter to you you care and you know what that is more attractive than some boring old fart who knows all the facts. Well, thank you. You're, again, as always, you are incredibly kind. And as I like to refer to you, the most interesting man on Anchor. So thank you so much for uh, calling me and this conversation. Just, we, we have to do one thing before we finish. And I'm going to actually put this at the start if I can technically do it. I would like you to introduce yourself because we must not assume that all of the listeners to this will know, oh, Paul is talking to Kevin in Los Angeles. I know who Kevin is already. So they'll, they'll get to know an awful lot about you from this conversation. But would you do an introduction of, uh, of yourself and say something in no more than a couple of minutes about who you are? 
All right, well, I'll try to. Let's see. My name is Kevin. I have a podcast called No Malone Radio. It's all about entertainment and uh, television. And speaking of that, I also co-host a podcast with uh, anchor favorite Tachi of Mediascope. We have a podcast called TV Channeling. And I live in Southern California in the greater Los Angeles area, also an area known as the South Bay. I'm just going to be discussing some uh, my uh, political my thoughts on what's happening on the eve of our midterm elections here in the US and is it true Kevin that you're not an illegal alien I uh, yes I was I'm actually not not only am I not only an, uh, not an illegal alien but I am a native Angelino I was born in Los Angeles and I have lived all of my life here in Southern California okay look Kevin, I am very grateful to you. May I call you Kevin Williams? Uh, well, I guess you just did. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> hey, look, you're, you're, you're wonderful. I know it's about four o'clock in the morning your time it's just a sign of your tremendous commitment to proper and decent social change and the reintroduction of proper ethics into public life in the united states all right well thank you so much i i really enjoyed this conversation paul as always okay kevin all the best all right take care have a good day okay bye-bye bye